Welcome back, guys, to the JPS Podcast. This is episode 21, and we have my man Ryan Doris, a.k.a. on the IG, the Natty Pro. So welcome, Ryan. What's up, man? I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, episode 21, that's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's a lot of episodes, man. Good job. You got this thing rolling. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, slowly, slowly. It's, uh, it's yeah, taking some job. time, but, but we're getting there. And uh, I'm really excited for today's episode, guys, because... Ryan is a quite accomplished uh, bodybuilder and powerlifter, uh, which is obviously what many of you would refer to as a power builder. So we're going to be talking a lot about power building today, uh, and I wanted to pick Ryan's brain on some of the mindset uh, qualities that athletes need to possess to excel in their sport, and some of the setbacks and the limitations we have, you know, within our own psyche that. Can prevent us from achieving our goals. So, for those of you who don't know Ryan, he's a pro bodybuilder in the ABA, the NANBF. Uh, he's a powerlifter, and he's a really emotionally intelligent uh, athlete. Pursuing this in his phys- phys- philosophical wow, it's really early philosophical approach uh, to, co- to coaching uh, with Fortis EQ. So, welcome, Ryan. Um, for those of for those listeners who aren't familiar with you, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself and how the hell you got into this uh, bodybuilding thing? Yeah, so um, I I am a, I guess, converted athlete, I guess, many times over. So I grew up uh, running track and field, um, and I went through collegiate track and field, and um, the transition was just really easy for me, like, uh, in terms of just, like, having all like I always I mean because I think what's hard for people is that they have to like training and being consistent so like it's easy when every day of your life well you've gone to practice every day right and so like I've just always been an athlete of some sort um and so I got into obviously when collegiate track and field is over I got into bodybuilding actually I started getting into bodybuilding a little before like I, I remember I wanted to be jacked but you know you can't be the most jacked track and field athlete um and the transition was it was pretty cool so i got a natural bodybuilding because like in track and field you know like the testing is stringent so um i think just that's what just felt like home is just being natural right like always having to do tests and stuff like that and it, i don't know i'm not i'm not anti-drugs or anything i just i don't know i'm just not into that i like i like my size like i kind of like looking this way so um so yeah i feel like i got a natural bodybuilding and then like uh what was what was hard was learning the new skills obviously like learning a I died and things like that. Um, and then when I kind of got, I guess, tired of that to some degree, I got into powerlifting, right? Because, again, it was a natural transition. Um, and so I'm just kind of – I've been connecting the dots throughout my life athletically, and there's been no deep reason for it. It's just it's just something I got got into. So, um, so yeah, I've done pretty well. I've competed in both of them. Um, and, yeah, man, it's kind of taken taken my life by a course I never expected it to. I'm kind of unexpectedly here, but I, but I love it. I love everything about it. So, No, that's very cool, and I, I can relate. So I've followed a, a similar path from uh, football in Australia through to bodybuilding, um, then powerlifting, and then now back into bodybuilding. So I really can relate, which is what I wanted to talk to you about today and how these uh, disciplines sort of intertwine uh, and may not be as mutually exclusive as what people think. Um, but Ryan, you mentioned that, you know, you had to learn how to diet and, you know, obviously you had the discipline there from the track and field. So my question to you is what was 
something that was extremely difficult about bodybuilding that is unlike other sports? Yeah, I think, um, and this kind of ironically ties into, I guess, where I've developed this kind of Fordist thinking over the past 10 years is the mental aspect. Um, and so you hear it's very easy in, in track and a lot of other sports um, to go into brute mode and try as hard as physically possible. Like, you know, like you feel anxiety and then you get a fight or flight trigger. Um, and then you just go, you know, you train hard, you run hard, you lift hard. And so there's not much thought into it to kind of dumb yourself down as a, as a, as a higher thinking human and go into that primal mode. And that's really all it takes in a lot of sports to be successful. The difference with bodybuilding, um, it, it's this round the clock mental mind fuck. Like it's not, it's never over. It's never over. Like you wake up and you're like, oh, and it's like, shit, I got to count macros. And then you're like, oh my, like there's no break there's no break you're hungry you have low energy and it's this challenge of this 24 hour thing for i don't know a six month prep or however long you know what i mean and it's like even right now like i'm I'm just kind of dieting down a little bit i'm in week 21 and i got up and i'm with my, my mom i'm at uh, back home i'm with my mom and we were gonna do something and i was like oh shit i'm in a deficit i i'm gonna be tired today like i forget so i think all the advice i got what like dealing with it that was the hardest part for me being low energy being in a bad mood being grumpy being hungry and all the advice i ever got was you got to grind that shit out or you got to you know just got to deal with it or you just got to be consistent and it was all this very surface advice like it was just not it was like oh you know it's a tough mental game and it's like everyone just stayed here um, and for me, I always figure like the best way for me to figure this out is to find like what are these issues that are bothering me that are giving me anxiety during bodybuilding. Like I've had preps where I've like isolated myself, sat on the couch because I didn't. And, you know, and like for me, I think every, everything for a human can be answered within some form of combination of psychology and in philosophy. So I think for me, as long as I understood myself, I understood my behaviors. Um, I can anticipate what was coming. I can anticipate what was going on. Um, and with just knowing a base philosophy and psychology, I kind of, you know, I kind of became a better athlete mentally dealing with the mental, dealing with the mental aspect. And so I think it's finally come to me like 10 years in, like I should probably tell people some of these because they've been very useful to me uh, over my career. So as I'm, I'm turning 30 in less than a month and I feel my career coming to a close, you know, like I feel like my, I mean, I'm, I mean, I have a long time, but like, um, I feel my prime coming to a close, right? Maybe five more years, six more years. Um, and I just want to get it all out so I can move on peacefully when I'm done with it all. So I think having a, a nice platform where I've said everything that I wanted to say, I could help it as much as I want to help. And I can just gracefully leave it i think <laughs> i think that's that's kind of a what 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 uh what my path is right now and kind of why i got into the mental aspect and that was the most difficult part because i feel for me i needed the most help there so i'm essentially trying to create something for maybe someone who feels the same way i do that the mental part is, a, is the most difficult part for sure you, you bring up so many relevant points to i guess today's discussion in regards to you know how difficult bodybuilding can be uh, because it does follow us everywhere. There's no, yeah, we'll leave that on the track and then go do life. It's bodybuilding becomes your life, and that can be very difficult for a lot of people. So you spoke about, you know, having a good uh, psychological understanding of self. So obviously self-awareness has been really 
critical to your development, um, as well as you know emotional intelligence and all of these things. So, how did you go about improving that area, or at least recognizing it? How? Because a lot of young athletes, I know five years ago when I got into bodybuilding, I wouldn't have even thought about what's my philosophy and my reasonings, why I'm doing this, what will make me right. you know, nervous and things like that. Is it simply maturity or how does somebody go about that? Yeah, so I, I think I think part of it is a, a, definitely a little bit maturity um, in in the household you were raised in too, right? So it's like um, a lot a lot of things are how how self reflective you are. So um, for me, it actually starts out it's kind of, it's it's kind of personal, I guess my perspective, right? So like I'm not a, a theist, right? I don't I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Muslim, so like I don't talk to like a god or an external person. So like I've been practicing Buddhism for the 10 years and with Buddhism, you have your people, you have your surroundings, you have earth. So I think just that fundamental difference that I don't talk to anyone like I don't I don't because most people in their most basic and there's nothing wrong with it. Like in their most basic way of thinking, they have a difficulty. And, and the first thing that our mm. brain is programmed to do as theists yeah. is give it to someone else, is ask for some el- elsewhere, like give me strength, mm. give me help. Um, I don't, I don't ever, like I figure that shit out by myself, you know what I mean? So um, I don't know, I just feel like the best way to, to, to think is just to keep going inward, right? Mm. And sometimes you go so deeply inward that you realize like, you can become so objective, I think, with yourself with enough introspection that uh, you will be disappointed when you when you with, like with what's there. Right. Because if you think about like the idea of thinking, like if you think about the um, like the prison system, uh, the most harsh punishment you can give a human being is isolation. Like no one wants to just be with themselves. It's like the worst thing you can do for a healthy social human being. So I think that was. That's just a thing, right? In my most ba- my most basic philosophy, I one somehow bred myself at an early age to not be afraid to look inward, right? Because it is it is punishing to look inward. It's punishing to see where you're weak. It's punishing to be like shit, I suck, or I'm not good at that. Um, and as a human being, it's so much easier to fight. Like I said, when you get that anxiety, we get fight or flight. Most people run from it, don't deal, or they fight outwardly. Um, and I think I've had to find a new way just to stay calm, think. I use I write a lot. I write a lot. I just have to write a lot of things out um, and see myself as an ex- – so, like, I try. I don't see myself as, like, me. Like, even, like, right now I'm speaking – like, I'm speaking on behalf of Ryan. I'm not even really – it sounds crazy. But, like, I'm not even yeah, really yeah, – yeah. you know, like, I don't identify so closely with myself, mm. right? Because, like, I try to have this – as a decision maker, and I know that this, I'm, I, just, I try to make the best decisions for this. I don't t- take it so personal. So um, I think that's the thing. People are so attached with themselves. When things get hard, they ask for advice, they pray, or they ask their mom, or they ask, like, they, they reach out. And I think it's very hard for people to just be like, no, I'll figure this out and I'll see what it is. And sometimes to see what it is, as excuse me, as with most things, you have to take twenty steps backwards. Like sometimes you you may not figure it out in one step. Sometimes you may have to go read three books on uh, Freud, or you may have to read three three Sartre books. Like you may have to like it may take you a while to figure out. And um, 
like I said, for me, I the 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 thing that keeps me introspective is that I don't give it up. I don't give it to somebody. I don't give it to a spouse. I don't mm. give it to a God. Like I keep it inward, um, which can be detrimental if you're not careful with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, for sure. Like I said, being in isolation in prison, it's it's pretty risky stuff. So I think that's just how I've uniquely done no, it. No, found some good. Answers. That's awesome, man. I think a lot of people need to do that because it's so common the case that bodybuilders are really, really bad at doing this. For the most part, anyway, that's obviously a generalization. But typically, bodybuilders will attach so much of their identity to bodybuilding um, right, that it right. can become an issue. So how how does somebody break away from you know it, uh, identifying themselves with a bodybuilder? Because this is often a, co- a common issue uh, in the... Right sport itself is the you know whole beast mode on and off so what is your advice for somebody who you know in their biggest uh pitfalls would be that they attach themselves to bodybuilding how do they disassociate from the sport so I, i would say the first thing to do is start not in bodybuilding right so it's like um you know me through the sport the world knows me who knows me through bodybuilding like if you were my personal friend in my life like the things i talk about with personally it's all this deep with me doesn't like it's all i go to that level with everything in my life so i think the thing um to start off first with is just step back from just the sport and just go to you like don't even fuck the sport like just go to yourself um and i think the second thing you have to do is literally like fire yourself right like when i mean like i i I remember i did this it was like 2009 how old was i i was i had to be like 20 or 21 then or something like that um and i remember the day i was like sitting i was doing something and then like i had to go to class and i was in the library i was at school in the library like and i had to just walk just walk upstairs and go to class and i didn't want to go um and so I was I was sitting in this library and I thought like just go home just ditch class and I was like I was like Ryan I literally said this to myself like Ryan you made it all the like just go just go to class like why are you trying to like sabotage yourself mm-hmm. and that day I remember thinking like you know what Ryan I'm done I'm done with you determining what's good for you like I'm in control so like this just this random day I literally fired myself that's connected with myself mm. and I let my objective self be in charge. So like even in the mornings I get up and I'm just like, um, I'll say, I'll say something along the lines like, uh, all right, Ryan, here's what we have to do today. If you give me these 20 minutes, I promise you, you will be in a good mood. Just, you don't have to believe me. Just try it. Like mm-hmm. I'm so objective with myself. And like I'm, I don't listen to my emotional self. Like it's mm. gonna, it's gonna let me down. So I think I started just there. I started just personally in my life. And like you're not just gonna do it in bodybuilding and not do it in your life. And that's why bodybuilding is this great, almost life imitating art type thing. Because like mm. a good bodybuilder is more than likely good at living life. Their life is structured. You know, it's like your mm. bodybuilding is a reflection of who you are. I think personally. So I would say the best advice would be to be the, those two things, right? Like take a step back from the sport just just look at the big picture and two like fire your own fire that voice in your head like literally he's mm. fired like he's he's done he's he's over with like you have to find that new voice in your head that's like a new CEO so um I, yeah literally i 
I work for myself. Like when I say that, I mean it. Like I don't call the shots. Some <laughs> fucking voice in my head tells me what to do, and I'm like, all right, you you say it's best. I'll listen to you. I I'll, I'm not gonna fight you. So it's that's odd, very man, cool. But. That's very cool. No, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think more people need to hear that, and will, it will hopefully help a lot of people start identifying themselves as who they are, as opposed to you know an athlete. As a, and that's all that they are. So that's, I think, really important. Um, and I wanted to talk about how bodybuilding made you a great power lifter. So mm-hmm. obviously you're jacked AF, but what are the, <laughs> are the fundamental things? I know that you've spoken about this on your Instagram um, and I've spoken about this at length, but what are some of the things that bodybuilding helped you with and taught you that allowed you to be a better powerlifter? Um, bodybuilders are much more detail-oriented and obsessive-compulsive than powerlifters. Like, powerlifters, I think, are just very part-time in their obsessive compulsion. Um and like, dude, power, powerlifters are up there in their obsessive compulsive behaviors. But man, they they are not like I, dude. Like I told you last night, I drove to get my mom, all that stuff, dude. I left the gym at eleven. Like, I drove back. My mom's in the car. She's falling asleep. I was like, mom, I don't have. I gotta get some food. Like, we yeah. went to the grocery store at like two a.m., dude. Like, you know what I mean? I put my my yeah. own mom's tired yeah. mother like. That's that's the obsession compulsion of a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? Like a a powerlifter would be like, let's just go home. I'll I'll I don't know. I'll just eat whatever I got in my bag. Like that's the difference, right? With a bodybuilder and a powerlifter. So I think bringing those details into my powerlifting has made me much more stronger as a technical lifter, as an efficient lifter. Um, I think the frustration of a prep, right? Going five weeks sometimes, no weight drop on the scale, gaining weight in your hung, you know what I mean? I think I think those little, dealing with the daily frustrations of bodybuilding, um, excuse me, taught me how to be patient through a lift, right? So like right now I'm working on my bench. I'm, I don't think I will be able to PR on my bench for another, for another year. So I'm taking these next two years to totally rework my mm. bench all the way all the way up right and that takes a fucking bodybuilder to say two years i'm gonna take this off <laughs> like that's some bodybuilder thinking yeah so i think um just that long-term thinking that that mm. patience with frustration um powerlifters don't have it as as good they have it no doubt no doubt but they don't have it as good as bodybuilders you know what i mean it's like that 24-hour you know, when you're posing all day and you find a little something and I do that all the time with powerlift and I make, you know, I may find a little position. So I think that that's that living in it. Right. I think if powerlifters live at 20 hours a day, that extra four is what bodybuilders do. And it's mm. like I said, it's this borderline, borderline of crazy obsessive compulsion. But if you can hide it and do it good enough, no one will really notice. So I think that's <laughs> a, that's the biggest that helped me at least. I definitely agree that long-term gratification is something that bodybuilding taught me and I carried over into powerlifting. You you know that if you do the work now, the reward will be there later um, and I think bodybuilders you know, are forced to learn that um, a very, very hard way. So on the flip side, you know, when you got into powerlifting, what 
of what was it in powerlifting that made you a better bodybuilder? Was there any carryover back into bodybuilding? Because I know with myself that there was. Um, I came from a background where I was probably training with really suboptimal uh, protocols. I didn't really understand the training principles and variables, you know, such as fatigue management, progressive overload, as well as what powerlifting made me realize, um, which has now carried back into my bodybuilding. So I was curious, Ryan, what, what do you think powerlifting gave you as a bodybuilder? I'm the same as you right there, dude. So I, 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 to be fair, right, I, I just beat up powerlifters not being as uh, <laughs> as obsessive dude bodybuilders train like fucking idiots like they do not know how to train like i was i did not know how to train before i got into powerlifting like yeah. i was like you know like do running fucking programs for 15 weeks no taper not a, not a proper dealer like i just didn't know i really didn't know how to train and like i said i knew how to turn it on just mm. that fight 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 dig dig every day um but I think that works. But after a while, you start finding out that like you're building an entire house with a hammer. You may need a screwdriver. You need you may need like a, you may need some different tools every now and then. You just can't fucking hammer. You know what I mean? So like I found that with powerlifting, there are multiple tools, right? There are these things like you can change volume, like you can change load, like you can you can change your days of fatigue management, like you said. So I, I think powerlifting taught me how to train now. Can I say that it's made me a better bodybuilder? Um, I can say I can't say that yet because I haven't proved it right. So I do have to come back on the bodybuilding stage and like test it out to say that. Um, but from my predictions of of how I look now, how I feel now, how my training is going now, all the way down to I think next year I'm thinking of getting back on like I want to do like WMBF Worlds or like one of those big shows end of next year. Um, I think no doubt it has made me like my training has been 180 because that bodybuilding mm. focus on diet is that 24 hour focus. And now I'm thinking like, I never invested that time into my training when I was just bodybuilding. I never, I never did at all. So, um, yeah, if there's anything that has helped, it's training. Like no one can train to me. No one knows training like a powerlifter knows training. I don't even know sure. if Olympic weightlifters know no training as well as the details of a powerlifter. Like, they're really good at it, and um, I must thank powerlifting for, for showing me how to train like a non-dingus, I guess. <laughs> non-dingus, so. I like that. I like that, man. And I guess to sort of finish up our discussion on power building or you know, powerlifting and bodybuilding, do you think that to truly excel in bodybuilding that you should only do bodybuilding? Because obviously we know that mastery requires you know many, many years in a certain discipline and typically like for most other sports you know you do have to perform that one sport if you're going from one to another you sort of you know obviously you're not training specifically uh, for long period of periods of time towards a certain goal so do you think that they are mutually exclusive and if you want to be the best bodybuilder that you should do only bodybuilding and if you want to be the best powerlifter you should pursue only powerlifting or do you think that they can benefit each other in the ways that we spoke about before yeah, I think um, I definitely do think they can benefit one another. But I think uh, again, like the 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 probably the third most important training variable, specificity. It depends on you, right? So for me, um, with my I have a short torso. Like I have good powerlifting segments. So it it for me to go squat, uh, you know, like 
over 250 kilos during a contest prep, that's that's no big deal for me because my I'm not going to get injured doing that. But if you're the type of guy, like let's say like a Paul Ravella, right? He's got a longer torso. He's a lot longer. As he's losing weight, I don't know how beneficial powerlifting will be to him because like we have to now include variables of injury and like um how many cycles you have right so like you know like like doing like moving my elbow i don't know i was born with let's say 10 million cycles of this right genetically you may have 2 million right so why why waste them on bench versus your longevity so i think it's a matter of yes but put in as much as you can take so for me i i i legit am like right now 50 50 like in my physique does pretty well on it um but i think at least if you're like kind of like a taller um maybe like ectomorph type person who who really like breaks easily right just because of your joints can't handle the powerlifting stuff right yeah. just because your segments are so long then i think maybe you should do some 10 percent stuff right maybe you should undulate every 14 weeks i'm sorry every 14 days right just do you maybe squat once a week i'm um, squat once a week but undulate that pattern you know between like two week cycles right as opposed to trying to do two days a week squatting um so i think it, it's all about specificity how it caters to you but i think no doubt no doubt powerlifters can benefit from bodybuilding training because it's like to me I, i'd always wondered like they would be like i want to get stronger and i would be like well you know more muscle would make you stronger. Like I, I just that that mm. always would blow my mind about powerlifters. Mm. But like, um, yeah, no doubt they can benefit from one another. But know yourself and know how much you can take of either side. And two, like your life investment. Like how much time do you have? Like, dude, my life is fitness. So like, I I was in the gym five hours the other day. Like I can make content. I can make video. Like my I make money being there five hours. Like you may not have that. You may only have an hour. So, um, it does cost a lot of time to be a power power builder combo so so yeah Jan, just specificity it's all all it comes down to for me for sure for sure i like that answer and i know we've sort of dabbled into the philosophy and some of the psycho psychological elements of bodybuilding and whatnot but i really wanted to talk to you about fortis eq um i'm super into the the psychology and you know what happens between here so you know i've been following along your journey uh, for quite some time now. So can you explain to the listeners what Fortis EQ is, what it means, and what you hope to achieve with that? Yeah, so Fortis is like, so I guess def definition-wise, Fortis EQ, Fortis is, uh, it's a Latin word for like strong or strength. Um, and I was watching a video on this computer from like 2014 and I was I said something about Fortis, and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of it's been that word has been on my mind for a long time." Yeah, I just like it. I really like something about it. Um, like I even have a tattoo when like when my grandma died. I have a run right here. It's like a queen piece. You you ever play chess? Uh, yes. Once yeah. So you know the queen piece. <laughs> All right, so so you know enough that you know the yeah. queen piece is the most powerful piece on the board, okay. and so I got that for her with uh with the word Fortis on it, and just like through my life. I've just always had strong women in my life, whether it be girlfriends, whether it be, you know, my mom, my grandma, like, like I was raised by like strong women, right? So I've always liked the idea of being mentally strong, like uh, mental fortitude strength. Um, so that's where I got fortitude from. And then EQ 
is really kind of new stuff new i mean like within the past 20 years new um eq is emotional intelligence um i feel like if i have i'm the dumbest fucking person ever like dude like i literally this morning i don't know like it was like it was like a few days ago i i looked i i was looking at nine uh wait see i'm this is how dumb i am it was uh I, I said, oh, I asked someone, I was like, what's nine plus, no, what the fuck, what, oh, it was like, what's, what's seven, I think it was that, oh, uh, wait, so I swear I'll get this, dude, see, this, this is a perfect that I'm showing you this example right now, seven, <laughs> uh, three, five, eight, nine, yes, yeah, I was like, I was like, what's what's seven plus eight? Uh, what's seven plus nine? And like for some for some reason, like it just didn't make sense to me that it was sixteen. Like it just something felt off about the numbers. And I think it was the fact that it's two odd numbers. Yeah. And then they made it like I it, dude, my IQ is the lowest fucking IQ of uh, any human being you will ever meet. <laughs> like I am so mathematically declined like i do i don't even know how to read a clock i'm not joking like i don't know the months like i have to do math on my fingers but for some reason dude i have the world's most like dude we want to talk about emotional intelligence like i have street smarts i'm quick on my feet like i can think like i'm a good speaker like i'm a good writer i'm a great speller like but for some reason my iq is lacking right so i was like all right i feel like i've gotten ahead in my athletic career by being kind of a dumb athlete. I made a video about that. Um, but my emotion, but dude, I've noticed that the emotional intelligence in athletics is what is most important. Your decision making, you dealing with your internal, like how do you come back when you're down on the clock, right? Like dude, it's, it's all emotional management. Um, and so emotional intelligence, the whole, I guess I guess the whole like field of study of it, it's new. Um, and it's just new, new, new in the world of psychology, right? It's not like some 1800 shit. Um, Dude, and it just intrigued me. It just intrigued me so much because it spoke to me about who I am and how I've gotten along in the world, like my one skill, right? If I had to be one of these like um, math engineering science kids, fuck me, dude. I'd, I'd be working at a KFC somewhere. Like there's no way. So um, so yeah, that's gotten, me, that's gotten me along. And I feel like that's where I kind of got the name from because I feel like just having a strong emotional intelligence and strength, gym, gym lifting and all that. So um, where the idea came from, um, it was random, honestly. It was when I was leaving DeNovo and I was with Brandon Wells, um, who's my good friend. And he was, he's a photographer and he's kind of known. Um, and he was like, uh, I was like, man, I didn't know what I was going to do, right? I was like, I should just, like, just go start, like, a YouTube channel and just start making stuff. And he and Brandon, literally, he was, like, he was in my room on my bed, and he was like, why don't you just do that? And, like, in my head, I always thought that, like, you know, DeNovo, like, made, it, it's still in business. It's still doing great. Like, it's still, like, it made money. I had employees. Like, it was, like, 12 people mm. on the team. Like, it was, a, it was a big thing, like, between vendors and people. It was, like, a lot of people to manage and athletes, like... I always thought coming out of my MBA, out of grad school, that I needed to do something like grandiose. Um, and I think at that moment, I just saw the value of like, what if I just did just me? What if I just did my own small project, something something that emotionally means a lot to me, something that's closer to me. 
Um, and that's kind of how Fortis was born. So um, I just thought about it for months and months, and I wrote for months and months and months. And I think I wrote 200 topics to talk about um, before I started it. Like I just wrote every day, like multiple times a day, just different topics. Like um, I would just think about it. Then I would go read stuff on it. And there's like this period after Genova where I was just like, I felt like it was just coming out of me, like years of shit that I suppressed because I didn't think it was good enough. Um, then I realized like, man, this being dumb thing really works um, because I have the ability to read, I've been reading like a lot of Albert Camus lately, um, and it's basically just existentialism philosophy. And like, I have the ability to read that, understand that, I can read Nietzsche, I can read it and understand it. Then I can turn to you and be like, basically, and talk to you in dumb language. And I think that is my success. Like, I bridge the gap between like really highbrow psychology philosophy mm. And I'm still dumb, right? So I still have to process it. Like, oh, basically he's just saying, like, I still have to dumb it down. Mm. And so I think in my communication of the message, um, I dumb it down. I kind of see myself now as like to to that stuff as like a Neil deGrasse Tyson of science or a Bill Nye of science guy, right? Like they, they know highbrow physics, but like they're nice enough to just stop being a smart guy for two seconds and just tell the people straight, right? Like, you know, you guys just did that thing with 3D and it's like, people love Helms because he gets it science, but mm. like, he'll just tell you straight. He's not gonna try to big word you. He's not gonna like leave that shit to, to those people. Like I have those conversations in my life, those convoluted conversations. But mm -hmm. if I'm talking to tens of thousands of people, I'm gonna, Put it in four to five minutes and i'm going to tell you a super deep philosophy like so so deep right so like that's my whole thing man so it's enjoyable because like i can go still read kierkegaard and i can go read books literally just read books and read shit i like um and boil it down to its most fundamental see how that has affected me in some way in my life and fitness um, and give it in Fortis content. And it's just been like the best ride ever. Like, bro, I read books. I do my client check-ins. Half of my clients, they just fucking talk about life. It's great. It's so great. Yeah. Like we have great relationships and, uh, you know, they ask me for advice on stuff and I'll say what I think. And then sometimes I'll be like, I'm not a fucking psychologist. You need to go see somebody. You know what I mean? So there's that fine line. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, man. I think I just want to unload as much as I can when it comes to philosophy and psychology dealing with athletics because we do have sports psychology but no one fucking reads that complicated shit it's too complicated right like people need yeah. it dumbed down and I don't have pride I don't I don't have too much pride to do that um so that's that's kind of that's that's gorgeous man. that's awesome. kind of fun yeah, yeah I've been following along man and guys if you haven't uh seen Ryan's videos uh, and what we're referring to. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel. Uh, he's got some great videos on there uh, discussing, I'm sure, many of the philosophies uh, that he believes are really important uh, in bodybuilding or sport in general. And in one of those videos, Ryan, you you said that your mind is your friend, and you know you spoke about earlier how being alone and isolation is you know what we fear the most. But if we can understand our mind and we you know we know what makes us tick it can be our friends so i guess my question is how do we get it together how do we you know make our mind our friend so i i think so like i think our mind is uh a lot like and i i, I need a better example 
so this is an example that I always use. So I think our mind is like, um, it's, it has all the possibilities. So if you think about um, an orbit, like our sun, um, I'm sorry, our planet around the sun, an orbit is pretty static. You know, you can predict where it's going to be at one point in time. Um, but as you go into the, the more micro world, the more metaphysical world, you see that when like for instance like let's say like uh what are the, what do they call when uh the when something bonds like in a in a in a basically in a chemical bond you'll see that the electron doesn't have an orbit it has what's called an, an orbital right so basically it could be anywhere from here to here to here it's 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 a probability that it will be somewhere it's the same idea like when you start going into like the metaphysical world it's like this thing called like schrodinger's cat right and it's this huge complex thing you can look it up on google but it's basically this thing it's like um the cat, it's a cat in the box it could be dead or alive if you look in you kill the cat if you don't look in is the cat dead or alive and then the answer is kind of like it's both right because that's the world like I don't know, dude, like we're like right now you could be on this podcast right now. You could be like standing in your shower right now. You could be outside. like you as a human right at this moment, you have endless possibilities. And I think the amazing thing about the brain is that it will tell you all of the options at one time. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just think like you have to, like I said, take control. So sometimes my brain will say things like, uh, so for instance, um, after I get off this podcast, I have some options. Um, I have to go shopping for some clothes for a, a formal event this weekend. I have to train. I have to like do this, some stuff for some bills. Like I have a lot of personal stuff, some work stuff. So I have like five things to do. I do have some anxiety with it, trying to get it done. Um, so my brain basically, in my head, I thought, it came out of nowhere, it said, don't go to the party. And then it also said, don't lift. And then it also said, uh, go, excuse me. It also said, go lift. And it said, this is too much. Fuck those macros. Just eat as much as you want. And then it also, it like, it said a million things, right? Yeah. So like I said, I have to fire myself and I have to realize that like my brain is, has the power to give me every option. I just have to say, why don't you just shut the fuck up for once, brain? I'm going to pick the one I want. Like, just shut up. Like, shut up, dude. I'm done. I'm sick of you. Like, I'm so tired of you. Like, and I literally picked the option that seems like the best option. Like, and so it's like, it's almost a good and bad thing, right? Because it's like, your brain will give you all of the best options and all the worst options. But it's up to you. You have to be the captain as they say in the poem Evictus, I'm the, I'm the, I'm like captain, I'm the master, like I'm the, shit, I fucking forgot the poem. I, I'm the master, I'm the captain of my ship, I'm the master of my soul, is how the poem ends, right? So it's like, people don't know how much they really are in charge, and I think it's ego and arrogance at best to think that, I thought this, therefore it must be true. Like, who the fuck do you think you are, Jesus Christ? Like, no, like, no, like, you just thought something, like, it's wrong, so... Um, I feel like so much of it is knowing that your brain will give you full probability, just like an electron has probability, just like you have probability. But the deciding factor is, is that you have to realize your brain is your friend. Your brain is simply saying, these are the options that can go bad. These are the options that can go good. It's up to you to pick it. Like your brain gives you good choices. Like you just have to try hard to pick the right ones. Like you literally have to try, right? Like there is no coincidence that things pop up in your head without you trying like 
it's like two things going on up here, bro. It's like this thing is doing some auto shit, and then you have to consciously choose. So, um, that's that's like really for me. Like that's really the big thing is just saying, my brain would never self sabotage me. Like, I I will choose the right thing. And I think people are so humans, we're so risk averse and we're so prone to staying away from fear that we dwell on the negative option and we go down the negative option rabbit hole until you drive yourself mad. But I literally think bad things and I no no lie, dude. I tell myself, I'm fuck don't you shut up for once, dude. Like I'm sick of you. Like stop talking. We're doing this. You can think what you want. We're doing this. Like I literally just take control. And it's sounds I know I make it sound simple, but it actually is that simple. Just tell yourself, shut the fuck up. Like, it'll work. It'll, it works. <laughs> I'm sure the more you repeat that to yourself, the easier it is to become objective, man. Um, and, you know, obviously there are some essential pieces, you know, to the mental game for athletic success. So what are those pieces? You obviously spoke about, you know, being able to be introspective, um, you know, having the identity of self not you know something external what else do you think is essential to the mind game of you know sporting sporting success trying hard i think that's it too like i think that's probably one of the biggest ones um i'm a like i'm a natural at a lot of things and everyone's a natural at something and i think where most people fail is where they're not a natural at right so it's like I'm really good at making impulse decisions. Like, I feel no, I don't know why. I don't know why my body gives me no. It's almost like why, like, I mean, I'm not saying I'm funny, but it's almost why I'm funny, right? Like, I don't second guess it. I just do it. Like, mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't get a chemical release of anxiety. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm a natural at that. So that's made me a good athlete. It's made me a quick thinker on my toes. Like it's it's made me really good at driving, you know what I mean? A lot of on my toe things. Um, I am not a natural at categorizing overwhelming decisions. So like every day, I just like I just said today, I have to try hard at what I'm not good at mm. every day. And I think that is part of the mental game, is knowing like where are you mentally easy right mentally just checked right and then so for instance i can remember um i was with alberto nunez some time ago and he was like in a prep and he was starving and he was just like i was like how are you not losing your fucking mind right now and he was just like ah no it just doesn't bother me like that and i was like he is a natural at being good at being hungry i'm not i'm not i'm not at all like and so i think one is, is is trying hard at what you're not good at um, another thing that I'd say is good at the mental game, um, is man, like having, having good, 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 like friends or good people to just tell you it's straight. And I think so, so much of us in the Western world live a comfortable coddled life mm-hmm. where if we don't like what we hear, we'll go to our mom and our mom will say, don't worry about that. Like you're, you're good enough. No, you fucking suck. Like, no, you're not. Like, no, you're not. And I think a lot of people run to those comforts. You know, it's like you'll never push through. Like, you'll never break through. That's like I think mental adaptations are the same as training. So if you need to work on, um, I don't know, let's say you're trying to squat 150 kilos and you're stuck at 130, 
Well, if every time you get to 120 and 130, you back off, you're never going to force the adaptation, right? And then the same physical forcing adaptation is the same thing for a mental habit. Like, habits need to be forced. Like, you need to override the system. You can't have somebody say, oh, it's okay, or oh, okay, honey, right? And so I think that's, like, honestly one of my biggest downfalls in life with, like, dating it's like when I'm like frustrated or something and like girls are so good at just like touching them and being like, it's okay. Just calm down. And I'm like, no, like you're going to make me lose. Like I need to get through this. Like don't fucking touch me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, dude, but dude, I've broken through those barriers. Right. Because it's like, I forgot what I was doing. One time I was like trying to like fix a vent on my like, like something. And then I was, and then this girl was like, she was like, uh, She's like, do you need help? And I was like, no, I don't need any help. Like, I needed so much help. I needed so much help, right? But, dude, sure as shit, I did it by myself. Like, this probably will kill me, but it will probably also give me the most life. Like, just, again, it's just trying hard. I just had to try harder. And I think people just don't try hard. Like, I think it's very simple. So I think that breaking through mental adaptations and a a good book for this, for your listeners, um, Better than I, I can ever say it is Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit. Like that's probably yeah. one of the best books I've, read I've ever that read on really pushing through. Yeah, like the, yes, really, really, really good. So I think he covers it better than you and I can ever say. But um, there is a an importance, and and he, he does talk about it towards the end of his book after he talks about all the case studies. He had he talks about how he had this habit of going to get a cookie every day in my room, and he said he'd live cookie. He would force the habit to be changed. He would either say, I'm going to divert this. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to go talk to a coworker, And then by the time he came back after 10 minutes, you forgot about the cookie, right? So, but he had, he literally had to like physically force that mental adaptation. So I think not, again, I guess that kind of ties back into going out to people, like going to, you know, instead of asking well, please, Lord, give me strength, or please, Mom, tell me how to give me advice. Like, just fucking shut up. Just try it. Just try the shit out. Like, even in the Bible, I think that Jesus said something like, like, meet me halfway, and I'll meet you halfway. Like, you still got to try. Like, you got to try. Like, you have to try. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's pretty simple. People just don't try enough because it feels uncomfortable when you're frustrated. It feels uncomfortable when you're mad. And people use their emotions as this like excuse people are like oh well i don't know i was really upset like and so i don't give a fuck like i don't care like i don't i don't care like so i think it's that getting through your emotions living in them it's okay to be mad just just be mad like just be hot for like five minutes you've never heard of some being like feverishly mad for more more than four minutes if his anger does not last that long like it runs out after a while so um, I would say those are those are those are probably two important ones, man. Just, just trying and not letting people baby you. So. I really like those, man. And my final question to is Ryan because I could literally talk about this stuff all day, and I could probably listen to you all day as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's next for you, man? So obviously you've got Fortis on the go. You're competing next year as am I actually, and I'm coming to the States to compete. So fingers crossed we uh, get to catch up, man. But what's what's next for you? You know, what do you Where, want where are you competing? To... Where are you going, by the way? I'm going to try uh, get into WMBF uh, Natural Olympia. 
Nice, dude. Nice. Yeah, so fingers crossed, fingers crossed. There's uh, a lot of obstacles between now and then, but I'm going to try hard. I'm going to make sure that I don't let people baby me. So <laughs> so what's next for you, bro? Nothing, man. Like everyone keeps asking me this, and I feel like most of my life I've always had this plan and worked hard through it and tried hard to get to this destination. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm 29 now, and I've realized that like I've been wrong every single time, whether it be me and this girl are going to go this far, whether it be um, me and this company are going to do this. Like, And every time I build this grandiose plan, it goes to shit. Like, life never works out how I, how I predict. Um, and so I think one thing I've done in the past year is that I've, I've let go of even just even trying to predict what's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. I know this. Every day I get up, I try to be the best I can to my family, my mom, my friends. I try to be the best friend I can be. I legitimately, even though I'm doing this podcast, I legit, I listened the whole time. Like, I'm just living, man. Like, I'm living. I really love my life. And I feel like if I'm good to people, if I follow my true interests and I keep digging deeper and I just work hard as shit, life will tell me what it wants for me. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to try to figure I'm just done even trying to predict it. So um, that's I, I, I hate that I have no answer. Right. Because everyone says, oh, we got this coming out soon. Like, not like only thing I think I have coming out soon are like some shirts or something. I don't know. Like, not nothing. Like, I really don't have anything pipeline and i don't think i want anything that big anymore i think i just want to uh continually be myself continually spend good time with people who are into the fortis fortis philosophy and i think the cool thing about fortis is that like it connects me to like-minded thinkers like i don't know man i make i make decent money i love my clients and um i, I don't know man it's like that saying like don't chase it let it come to you so mm-hmm. it it will come as it comes to me so yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of non sure. non egotistical answer, but it's it's the truth. That's all I got. So the truth is uh, all you can do, man. And I wish you all the best, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really enjoyed our discussion. I really love your philosophy and take on bodybuilding, powerlifting, and sport in general. Thanks for all the free content you put out. I think it's pretty amazing, guys. Make sure you. Go and like and subscribe to all of Ryan's social media. You'll get a lot out of it, and we'll speak to you all next time. Thank you, Ryan.